Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of... I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I've skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent, because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. This week on Zach on Film, don't feed Rodrigo, don't expose Steven to light, and don't get Matthew wet. This week on Zach on Film... Gremlins from uh, 1984, Zach. Yes, Stephen. Now, this is an interesting film for a couple of, of reasons. And people are like, oh, dear God, why are you reviewing? Why are you talking about Gremlins? Same thing I thought when I are saw what we were, we were doing. Head, no, no, no. These were a lot of people on No, Twitter. a lot of people. We're just like, why? This is not a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, define, I guess, greatness. So certainly this is not a movie that... The Library of Congress has said has significant moral culture, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> sure, right. sure, sure. It was the most, it was the most popular movie of 1984, mm-hmm. number one. Most profitable movie of 1984. And it was the movie that broke the movie rating system, or one of two movies that right. broke the, rate, the movie rating system. Uh, so that's the main reason that I want to talk about Gremlins today is mm-hmm. the movie rating system, which I know we've talked about before. Um, but the other reason is... The other day we said something about uh, Gizmo, mm-hmm. and Zach just had a blank look on his face. And instantly it was, watch, Gremlins. go watch Gremlins. We watch Gremlins. So um, if, if Matthew is sounding a lot like, uh, uh, what's the little cartoon kid? Uh, Bobby. 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 It's because, um, same voice, Mandel. Howie Mandel did the voice of uh, of Gizmo. Nice. And then you had... You had Frank Welker um, yes. do the voice of Stripe. Mohawk. Oh, Stripe! Yeah, that's what they and then you Stripe. also had Peter Cullen do voices in. He was he that was movie Spike. Well. It, well, Spike was in the second film. Yes, which Stripe. is something. This is something I want to say right up front. This sounds terrible, but I want to say this: all of my favorite parts of Gremlins turned out to have actually been in Gremlins too. Yeah, that happens. But I still love Gremlins. Okay, so here's the other. Here's another argument. I'm going to quote from a Roger Ebert review of Gremlins uh, from uh, 1984. Uh, at the uh, Gremlins was hailed as another e, uh, Gremlins was hailed as another ET. It's not. It's in a different tradition. At the level of serious film criticism, it's a meditation on the myths in our movies: Christmas, families, monsters, retail stores, movies, boogeymen. At the level of pop movie going. It's a sophisticated, witty B-movie in which the monsters are devouring not only the defenseless town, but decades of defenseless cliches. But don't go if you still believe in Santa Claus. And so if you did approach this from that serious critic where they're poking fun at everything that you see in movies, if you watch this movie throughout, Zach, you'll see references to classic movies. You see It's a Wonderful Life, this Mm -hmm. idyllic little... um, a Norman Rockwell town. Sure. 
that we're going to blow up. <laughs> and you see the story about the boy and his dog. Only this time, the dog gets fed after midnight and turns into a monster that destroys the town. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you like these little treasured stories of the girl, um, again, Miracle on 34th Street, about the girl who um, doesn't believe in Santa Claus. Well, we find out why this little girl in this movie doesn't believe in Santa Claus. That was a, that, that was a great moment. That. It's just like, oh, and they pulled my dead dad out of a chimney. And he was still holding the presents. And that's how I figured out Santa Claus wasn't real. It and is a Kate, so I'm still, you know, I'm oh, still yeah. picturing her topless from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Just four years earlier. Oh, my right. word. Yeah. Um, a lot of people just say, oh, this is terribly written. Uh, for especially that monologue that she has about why she hates Christmas. No, this is a joke that is set up way early in the movie and doesn't pay off mm. until like an hour 20 in uh, yes. to this hour 45 movie. And it is, if you're looking at it from a highbrow standpoint, we see the pod people, we see invasion of the body snatchers referenced yeah. in this piece. And we see the, um, the Malgwai, duplicating and then turning into these pods that churn out something that is not a, a friendly gizmo. is not a friendly yeah, gizmo. Yeah, yeah. We see references to aliens. Yeah, in this totally. Um, this just, and I didn't realize this until again, watching it a, uh, about a week or so ago, that this is a send up of everything that Hollywood has done before and yep. is just chopping it and mm-hmm. slashing it in a way that, um, Matthew's favorite B movie, um, uh, director Roger Corman tries to do, but doesn't do it as successfully as we see in well, Gremlins. And it's the thing of it is, it's Dante mm-hmm. who is at this point and later very much becomes a what you what you refer to as that proverbial Hollywood insider, right? I mean, he's responsible for some of these tropes existing, mm-hmm. or at least you know being part of it. So, I I really do love the fact that this is. A subversive, you know, outsider film made as a regular, you know, big time movie studio thing. It, it's it's basically Hollywood shooting itself in the foot, or you know, at least taking the piss out of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's mocking the traditions, and it's the people doing it showing that they have a sense of humor about what they do. And I wish you know there was more of that in movies, and not mentioning any names called comic books, <laughs> DC, but. Yeah, so that was fun. So, Zach, you went in thinking you were going to hate this movie, probably because you've sure. heard all the hate mongers talking about, oh, it's this, you know, cute little puppet movie. Um, I don't know why I went in thinking I wasn't going to like it. I've never really talked to anyone about Gremlins. I knew I knew what Gremlins was. I actually, when I started watching this movie, I was like, oh, I've watched like the first 15 minutes of this movie before. And I mm-hmm. just must have flipped off of it. Um. No, I just assumed it was going to be some touchy feely. Yeah, and it was, and I think the first it was more I, like a scratchy. I totally bitey. didn't like the first half of the movie. I was like, "This is really stupid." Well, and, and, that's, then, it, and, and that's then what it, it and then it shifted, and that's what it is. Yeah. Is it really sets you up for ET? Totally, mm-hmm. and then it slam dunks you into Critters. Well, I guess Critters came <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Critters did come out after. Critters right, ripped yeah. off, it's which right, is actually right, a pretty right. good movie too. I mean, as far as schlocky B movies right, right. go, yeah, yeah. No, it's not. No, it's funny. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, no. it's funny, but can we it's not, can we it's not can we can we settle on Tremors? Sure. Yes. Okay. I'll I'll grant I, you Tremors. Have I, you ever seen Tremors? Yeah. Okay. Um, I like the third one when they fly. 
<laughs> and they shoot stuff out of their butt. Grapoids. Yeah, I don't know. Called? We call them butt blasters. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, you're watching yeah, 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 this movie what? and you're hating well, it. Yeah, because I was like, oh, it. I didn't even know. I didn't know Steven Spielberg was about it. I was like, I swear. Okay, this is... so as producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I knew he didn't direct it, and I was like, Steven Spielberg presents. Like, also I, I... Robert Zemeckis involved in this movie too. As he didn't do this. He no, what was, do you do? Uh, I think, one of the producers in was this he movie. Producer? Too. Okay. Um, and Joe Dante, of course, directing. Yeah, yeah. His name appears at the very end of those opening title credits, hmm. which is interesting because normally a director is way up there, right. mm. but he puts himself down at the very, very end. And the way they, they place the, the title graphics, he's in the lower right-hand corner of the screen when they say directed by Joe Dante. Right. Hmm. It's like, yep. whoa, that means something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just didn't want it to be the slow reveal of the monster thing mm-hmm. that we saw in Jaws, that we saw in E.T., that we see in mm-hmm. so many movies that mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg is a part of. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, God, I just don't, I don't want to do this. And then they kind of do it, but then they pull back really quick and they just start showing you Gizmo. And then even when he transforms into demon Gizmo or whatever, mm-hmm. um, they only don't show it to you for a couple of minutes. And then it's like, oh, look at this horrifying yeah, just creature monster. It crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then that's when it, that's when I was like, what the crap is going on? This is interesting now. After an hour of figuring out how I could parody this movie so it'd be, it'd end in five minutes. Well, I mean, you could end it in five minutes. Oh, I know. Right, right. right. Don't, don't get them wet. There's uh there's uh one of the frog brothers spilling water on Gizmo. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> don't expose them. Yeah. Don't expose them to uh bright light and you've got, you know, well, bright light, bright light. Bright light. And then you don't feed him after after midnight, mm-hmm. and you've got all those scenes intercut, and he's handing him the chicken. And then you've got five minutes of mom killing the, the gremlins in the kitchen, mm-hmm. blowing right. up the movie theater, and then uh, a, a stripe in the water fountain. And that's your movie right there. That's how you edit what? those. Oh, no, I was going to be like, the dad never listens to the wise old Chinese man and just initially just exposes Gizmo to bright light right when he gives him to Billy, and just the Kills credits him. roll. Awesome. <laughs> that would be the person. that'd be the five second films or whatever it is thirty yeah, second yeah. films told by bunnies or how whatever it, how it should have ended yeah, yeah. kind of thing. There may be a how it should have ended on Gremlins. And, probably. You know one of one of the things in this movie that always drives me nuts. Hoyt is, Axton. Um, no, Hoyt Axton. I love uh, Hoyt Axton is Hoyt one Axton of the is the uh, one of the uh, main influences for, for Torque. Hoyt Axton is in this movie. Frank Welker is in this movie. Robbie the Robot is in this movie. These yeah. are among the time my machine is in rail. this. The time yeah. machine is in this movie. Polly Holiday, who played Flo on uh, Alice, uh, the Kiss My Grits Lady, mm-hmm. is in this as Mean Old Mrs. Deagle. But yep. I hate it when people use one facile argument to try and deconstruct something. And with Gremlins, that argument is always, "Isn't it always after midnight somewhere?" To which my answer is, mm-hmm. it's effing magic. It's it's just like your cellular phone. It's keyed to the, the area where you are, and it goes off the local time. Shut the F up. Because, <laughs> yes. It's always after midnight, you see, because midnight starts the day. And shut up. I guess just it could have been, I mean, if you're looking at it from a magical standpoint. It's magic. Your... Midnight is the halfway point between day and night. A wizard did it. And that's the thing. So the earth rotation, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can feed them again the, when it's here, daylight. Here's the thing. If you if you look at it from the like mystical tradition standpoint, 
the important thing is not when midnight is or what exactly that means or whatever. The important thing is that you follow the rules. Right. Right. The right. rules are what matters. So mm-hmm. if the rule is don't feed them after midnight, regardless of what you conceive midnight as being, mm-hmm. as long as you don't do that, you're mm-hmm. okay. So is this? And, uh, so when, is this? When the sun comes up, it's day. Right. Right. right exactly. Feed them all day. It gets dark. As long as it's not past midnight, you can still feed them. Right. So is you this a uh, look at you Americans? You can't follow directions. You're going to ruin it all. I mean, the, the, the it's, old Asian it's guy exactly, says that at the end of yeah. the movie. It's exactly that. It's like you get something from China. Yeah. <laughs> you don't look at the instructions. You try to do it yourself, and then it breaks. Right. Yeah. And something else, an, another one of the actors who I just kind of go, oh, I love this guy. Key Luke is the grandfather. And Key Luke was, of course, the the blind sensei, or technically, I guess, the blind uh, shifu in uh, Kung Fu. He was the voice of the evil leader of the aliens in Battle of the Planets. He was the original Kato. And I sit and I watch this, and he comes in and he's like, oh, smokeless ashtray. I got one at the gas station. I love everything about his delivery because he's clearly at the point where they, you know, they've probably said, we want to make sure that you're playing this character who comes across as the traditional character. Mm-hmm. But his delivery is not that Charlie Chan pigeon English necessarily. He is playing a smart man who happens to be of, you know, mystical Chinese origin. And I really love him in this whole film. Well, I mean, really, everything about Gremlins is like that. Mm-hmm. Everything yeah. about Gremlins is basically the movie pauses for a split second Ask yeah. see what you think is going to happen next, and then goes nope. Horror <laughs> movie, yeah, yep. slasher film. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nope. Even Grand and then Peltzer. and then it follows all the tropes of the slasher film. Yeah, yeah. You know, including the last jump out moment of the with, bad with guy jumping out at you to kill you. Mm-hmm. He jumps out of the fountain all skeletony and melts away and blah blah yeah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah. So, um, so it's okay to poke fun at genres. Oh, certainly. And turn and to create a, a black comedy, yeah. uh, a dark comedy that. You don't want to laugh at, but you're laughing not because it's yeah. bad, but yeah. you're laughing at the horror right. of right, what right. is going on. It's that schadenfreude of at least it's not happening to me. Well, right. you know, the, the 80s were a particularly good decade for humor and horror. I yeah. mean, you have movies like Gremlins, movies like An American Werewolf in London, which I'm contractually obligated to bring up <laughs> on the show. Right. Um, I mean, there was there was a legitimate attempt, I think, in the 80s to inject a lot more like a lot more humor into other genres. I think also like really well, all the terrible tropes that we have today in action movies of like little quips and mm-hmm. stuff like that. A yeah, lot of yeah. them come from the eighties mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because yeah. they wanted to get a lot more humor in there and it was okay back then, but that stuff's gotten a little tired. Whereas a lot of the humor got worked out of horror. It comes and goes. They also true. not only pushing, comedy into a lot of stuff but a lot more violence into everything yeah. right and that's what we're going to get to in the second part of the show uh, the violence um this movie is also um we do a, we do a thing for our vip members you can find out more at members.majorspoilers.com we recently uh did a bonus tracks which is many of us sitting around providing a commentary track to a movie that you can watch a movie and listen to us talk about uh in october of 2013 we did back to the future mm-hmm Back to the Future, one of the comments that I make is, this is the look that I love where you can wet down the streets, really get shine off of everything, and not make it look like it's shot on a back lot. Mm -hmm. The irony, of course, is 
um, Hill City's <laughs> Hill City Square, the downtown, yeah. is shot on the Universal City's back lot. Yeah. Hill Valley. I'm sorry, Hill Valley. Hill Zach, City is just south of you. Zach, no, there no, is a northwest. Every time you're walking down the street in Gremlins, you're only looking at one part of that street. Uh-huh. Notice that the camera never swings around to the other side of the street, because if you did, you would see Hill Valley yeah. Hall. That is the same set that we see in Back like to the, the Future. Th- I realized that when they blew up the theater and they're running out of it, I was like, yes. I swear I just saw that marquee two days ago. It's, it's yes. the same and street. And then I looked it up. I was like, same place. Same street. Now, there is one point where they do shoot from Al's Diner, Mel's Diner, mm-hmm. out across to where you would see the city hall. Uh, but it's the shot late in the movie, and they've got fog blowing through the scene to where you don't see oh, yeah. city hall. But you see some trees, and then everything else beyond that is Because yeah, otherwise, you would see Marty running up yeah. and talking to Doc Brown and then uh, like running back out. Doc, and then, we're like, going like, to do something about sh- these gremlins, sh- Doc. Yeah. So then that made me think. Great, try Scott. to think of some weird alternate time dimension where Billy is Marty because he screwed up something in the Billy, past. we've got to do something about your mogwai, Billy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why? What do they do? Do they grow up to be assholes or something? That's, that's how Paradox, <laughs> yeah, in that do. universe, that's how Paradox develops. They yeah, turn into mogways. <laughs> yeah. So what are some other, I mean, it's okay to make a black comedy and po- poke fun at yourself if you know sure. how to do it right. What else, what are uh, ideas or themes or thoughts that you come out of uh, Gremlins with? Um, I mean, just a whole lot of tropiness which was a lot of the poking of it i thought of like the mystical ethnic people of mm-hmm, the chinese mm-hmm, old mm-hmm. man with the mogwais and then mm-hmm. the the scientist at the school yeah and then him being the first one to die did he use the first yes. one to die he was the first yeah. one yes. to die um although i remember when i was a kid for some reason i seem to remember billy discovering him and his he was just poked all over the place with needles instead of just the one needle poked into him well, mm-hmm. Gremlins is a scary movie when yeah. you see it as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Now you remember seeing this movie in the theater when you came in. <laughs> oh, no way. Barely, because we're going to, again, we're going to talk yeah, about yeah. that uh, coming up. Um, I really liked, once it got into that horror section, that while it was poking fun at horror, I thought it did it in a way that if we were going to poke, if a, if a studio was going to poke fun at a horror movie, they would do it just crazy over the top. I mean, it's like scary movie and all those movies. They just mm-hmm. do, they blow out everything to some unrealistic proportion, but I felt like they made this movie scary without getting into those cliched areas of production of a horror movie mm-hmm. by like, there was no crazy screeching music anytime. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And re, 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 yeah. Re. Uh, what else? I just, um, just like these, like whipping around the camera a whole lot and just like mm-hmm. shoving the camera in people's face. I feel like they didn't get into the classic, like horror movie production tropey kind of stuff. They kind of also fell away from the less is more bit. You know, mm-hmm. less is Certainly, more a yeah. lot, especially more. <laughs> Instead, we've got like, like a more... three and a half minute segment of the Gremlin singing "Hi Ho," right? Which is really odd because this Universal. I mean, maybe not in 1984 because what was going on with Disney is they were in the toilet yeah. in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. And so to come to Disney and say, hey, we're doing this horror movie with monsters in a movie theater watching Snow White. Can we use your theme song and your characters and even have one of the gremlins wearing a Mickey Mouse ears uh, for this scene? Oh, yes, please, please do. Please make sure that people don't forget about who we are. We will pay you $20, Disney. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. It's important that that cartoon be recognizable because the the whole underlying theme of 
there's a lot of cartoon in the story. Right, right, right. There's a lot of cartoon in the violence. There's a lot of cartoon mm-hmm. in the horror. To have that be just a generic cartoon would have really muted that moment for me. You know, having it be something that we actually recognize that they're loving really, really sells that moment of all of the gremlins are so entranced by this that they don't realize that Billy's about to kill them. Or, or also maybe that there's something that inherently deep down that these gremlins aren't totally evil bastards. Oh, they're evil. They're children. Yeah, that they're children. They are, children they are, like they are the worst yeah. in – yeah, they're the worst elements of being a child. Oh, the my two-year-old. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the hatefulness, yes. All of the bad things my about children. Your kid yes. is a gremlin. Yes, that's they break why, things, they scream, they bite. Mm-hmm. I had well, to shove one mean, of them in the microwave. The if you mistreat <laughs> your children, they become bad children. If you mistreat your mogwai, it becomes a gremlin. Right. I mean, that's a that's a really solid that's reading, which is also me. why it makes sense <laughs> that this movie is set at Christmas time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's when children, a lot or of the, the time, worst. do become mm-hmm. gremlins. Horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the other thing that's interesting about this uh, movie is the special effects. Yeah. All <laughs> practical effects. Right? Uh, well, can I just we say that... Puppets, marionettes, stop motion. Well, that's not what I was going to say. The oh, last okay. shot last shot of the film, uh, old Chinese man's carrying away Gizmo. Huge, tie, high shot of the city. Credits rolling. That oh, moon, the the moon is completely composited in because... No, the, no, no. It's not composited. That's a painting. If you look... Is it a painting? Go back and look. You can see... He's getting right up to the point where the set ends and the painted scenery begins. There's this like weird angle sharp curve where you know that that's well, where everything separates out. The problem was if you look at the moon, all of the clouds go behind the moon. Oh, okay. I was just like, what world are we in right now? World of the Mogwai. <laughs> yeah. Um, Magic. So, uh, yeah, yeah, puppets, 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 puppets that had to be stop built. Stop motion. Um, different size puppets. Sometimes they had to make supersized uh, versions of their faces. Mm-hmm. For the puppets, so that they could get so in for those close and mouth close shots, and because apparently, yeah. if you went into the little tiny gizmo and you tried to do the eye movements and stuff, it just looked unnatural. Hmm. But then to make these giant sized versions <laughs> of the heads, um, because the gizmo was so small, it kept breaking down all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's okay. The crew hated the puppets, oh, so that's imagine. why uh, Dante said, "Okay, we'll put that scene in with Gizmo strapped to the dartboard." just so that the crew can have some kind of relief of how much they hate this, uh, this thing. Throw uh, darts at Gizmo. And there are some cool ways that they cut between puppet and stuffed animal, right? So like the scene where um, they're going into the bathroom to tape up Gizmo's head after he's got a little bump fell off the desk. Mm-hmm. What do you treat your animal or your pet or whatever mm-hmm. that it is? Um, We've so established we see- Billy's kind of a negligent owner. I don't he think is. he's negligent, necessarily negligent, because true. it's uh, the Toad Brothers That's that true. spill That's the water. Yeah. It's the gremlins that bite the cable for the uh, um, clock. Clock. Billy doesn't know that. It's, That's, That's mm-hmm. true. No, you're right. So he's almost innocent in all this. Yeah. Um, but so Billy's walking to the bathroom. We He's got a stuffed gizmo. Mm-hmm. We see him out of camera shot, set the gizmo down. And then when we cut to the shot... There's already the puppet in the that's mounted onto the sink with all the electronics and hands or whatever that's mm-hmm. up in there doing the uh, doing those things. So it's really cleverly done from a practical standpoint. Today, Gizmo would be, an, oh, you know, would be uh, there's a no three reason. CG. There's no reason yeah, yeah. to make a practical. But I think gizmo. it wouldn't look as good. Oh, I think it could. I think it, it could look as good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it could look better. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on how it's done and what sort of with what economy it's done. Mm-hmm. Right. Because a, a lot of the reason, a lot of the time why CG shots look bad is because directors and writers, not writers, but like directors and like special effects coordinators or whatever get greedy. They're like, oh, this looks really good. Let's show it and show it and show it. And the more you show it, the more you see the scenes. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So... It's like, I, I, I think in a lot of ways, for example, the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park still very much hold up. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the reason for that is that a lot of it happens at night and a lot of it happens really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they use practical effects when they interact with people. Right, right. So. Right. Giant triceratops. Right, giant yeah, triceratops, yeah. giant like T-Rex mouth mm-hmm. pushing down the glass. Mm-hmm. T-Rex eyeball that's way too big for the actual <laughs> T-Rex. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's cloning it's a spielberg joint there you go um the uh the thing where the mogwai grow into the full size you want to take a guess on how they did that zach just think of your practical special effects knowledge how would you make a uh ball of fur suddenly grow and expand right before your eyes and magic isn't the answer i mean magic is the answer yes that's how they did it just cover it with full fur Mm. blow it up underneath and there you've got your. There are there are some great. There were also some great pneumatic effects in the oh, 80s. Oh yeah, 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 like a huge part of uh, <coughs> the transformation sequence in an American Werewolf in London is actually like <laughs> yeah, yeah, things being inflated, pumping, yeah, 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 pumping it up, yeah, and the and things it, off and the because back. it looks really natural. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's how so something can, it's like actually that's it. It's like it looks real. But it looks it like nothing in your body or nature mm-hmm. normally does that except like puffer mm-hmm. fish. Or, mm-hmm. uh-huh. There was another movie, and I forget which one it was, where you actually, it was the movie FX, um, where they're actually applying the balloons to the face oh. and talking about it. And you see it puff up and you can see the face, you know, just kind of yeah. moving mm-hmm. around because of that. And it looks real creepy, but they kind of show how that effect is done. It's a pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool effect. Um. Let us uh, give a shout out. Oh, okay. To some of our that people, and then we guard. can get into the um, into the Uh-oh. violence aspect Uh-oh. of this movie. Yeah, yeah. There's a part of the show where we beat each other up with frying pans. Ba-dum, 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 bump. Bop, bop, bop. So many emails. Hey, let's give a shout out to all you great people: <laughs> David Halley, Jonathan Urich, Hunter Graham, Joshua Keller, Daniel Cotter, <laughs> Mark Burbach, Zachariah McAllister. PD, Michael really Bowen, cool. yeah. Jason Foreman, and Darius Lau. Probably messed that last one up. Probably not. Okay. Probably. Thank you, all of you great people who donate your money to Major Spoilers. Keep podcasts like this going week after week, month after month. Increment of time remember, after increment of time. Remember when Thank Zachariah you. McAllister came and founded Springfield? Mm-hmm. No. Or blew up the Tallahassee Bridge. Um. So violence, yeah, man, lots of violence in here, right? That was weird. I mean, old man Peabody gets run over with his uh, own tractor. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm mixing up uh, Back to the Future and and this movie again. <sighs> uh, that lady, she gets shot out of her house with her stair. Oh, her electric like stair electric. elevator Whoosh. thingy. Man, yeah, that was I cannot wait to like funny. old enough to have one of those. Yeah. Oh, totally. You can have one now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. 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 And then the gremlin rewires it. Yeah. Ah! Um, yeah. Sure. Those are those are great moments. 
So is uh, turning on the blender and watching one of these things explode all over your kitchen or throwing one in the microwave and turning it on high and watching it explode. Yeah, that was intense. And and really, you know, when they do that, people, uh, you know, who saw this in the theaters were just excited about seeing a microwave. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. That that is uh, not untrue. I think it was not too long after that we got our first microwave. Mm -hmm. Um, No, I would have been younger. I would have had a microwave before then. It was one of those that you didn't, you had to stand five feet away from when it was on. So you can feel it cooking. You can can feel the Mm -hmm. heat coming (laughs) off. Um, so the interesting thing that was pointed out, again, going back to this Roger Ebert um, review, and again, this was written in 1984, he says the scene with a microwave will probably cause someone to try and put a cat in the microwave. And we have seen and heard and read instances of people putting a dog or a cat or mm-hmm. some animal or baby or whatever in their microwave to see what happens. This movie is incredibly violent for a PG rating. Absolutely. Okay? Yeah. The movie that came out just before this, like um, a couple of weeks before, I want to say, like May maybe, I have to go back and look, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, mm-hmm. where as a kid watching this, I was like, oh, another Indiana Jones movie. My mom took me to it. It's great. And then we see Mola Ram reaching into someone's chest and <laughs> pulling out a still beating heart. Kalima! And it burns. And I was like, oh, that's kind of intense. And my mom was <laughs> like, that was so horrifying. Those two movies and the increase of let's inject horror comedy into our movies had people going nuts. You know, Tibber Gore, all these people going yeah. nuts about what are we doing? We're corrupting our youth. These movies should have had R ratings instead of PG ratings. And we've talked mm-hmm. about R versus PG before and how that can affect a box office sure. results. And so nobody wanted to take a movie like Gremlins and give it an R rating because that would have been death for right. this movie. Right. And even still today, I think R is considered kind of oh, death. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I oh, mean, they, oh, oh. they will go through. I mean, like a great example of this is uh, not a great example of this, but um, an example. Uh, an example of this is the Spawn movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which apparently, like, they cut like half of the scenes on it so that it could get that PG 13 rating because it was at R before they. I'm actually it. glad that some people are starting to say, you know what? If this movie, if we want to make this movie and it's going to get an R, we'll be fine with an R. Like yeah. this is the end, well, the uh, end of the world movie. The 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 thing that oh, yeah. the thing that a lot of movie makers are getting into is you know like a lot of the um you I mean you can uh, you can get yourself into the situation where yes your movie would be basically given a red mark. But then you can wear it as a badge of pride. You can say, sure. this movie, you guys, is a hard R. If you want to see something that was almost NC-17, come see this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right? right. And I mean, you can do that. Right. It's kind of like, you know, uh, it, like like you see uh, when things are released on video. Oh, this is the unrated version, you <laughs> right, guys. Right, right, right. Like, that's, that, you can use that to your advantage as well. So, so many people were up in arms over Indiana Jones, Clash of the Titans, and uh, Gremlins. Um, because of the PG rating that Steven Gosh, Spielberg, Titans. you see boobies and beheadings oh, and there all are that boobies stuff. in it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And beheadings and, and a little mechanical owl. <laughs> so Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg, the executive producer of Gremlins mm-hmm. came forward and said, Hey guys, what if we come up with this whole new measuring system called PG 13 halfway between PG halfway between rated R and we reward it to parents are strongly cautioned to give special guidance to attendance of children under 13. 
Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. And everyone's like, that's wonderful. Now parents know before they go whether this movie is appropriate for someone under the age of 13. Now, Gremlins still came out with PG rating. Mm. Temple of Doom still came out with PG rating. The first movie to be released with a PG-13 rating is Red Dawn. Uh, Although that movie had already completed production like a year before Gremlins ever came out, but it was the first one to be released with PG-13. And they just shook their fist. They shook their fist. (laughs) Um, But I find that very fascinating that we have to say, okay, PG means parents... There's probably some stuff in here that you want to... Parents caution. Parents caution. Be aware. And then we have R that says, you know what? This is really not appropriate for someone under 17 to see. But then we have to create a whole new rating system for parents to say, hey, numbskulls, if you're bringing a 13-year-old to this movie, you're not a very good parent. Although I think that's a little harsh to say that you're not a very good parent. But but I think think the reason... I think part of the reason why Gremlins did this, uh, uh, probably inadvertently, is that... The movie itself is like first presents you with like um, boy and his dog tropes, right. and then mm-hmm. inverts them. So even and, the promo- and again the you promotional see a fuzzy, cute little the gizmo. promotional Absolutely. materials for them were probably really misleading because mm-hmm. the movie yeah, yeah. banks on that twist. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. it's we we talked about uh, Zach's um, reluctance to see trailers anymore after Iron Man three hurt him mm-hmm. so badly because. You know, that's, you know, if a movie relies on some kind of plot twist or something like that, you don't want to reveal it in the trailers, obviously. So people went into Gremlins and probably took their children to Gremlins expecting to see a movie in which a a boy and his uh, tiny koala monkey um, (laughs) are are very good friends and overcome mm -hmm. some sort of obstacle together. Mutant lemur. Yeah. And instead, you watch watch a movie in which the boy's... uh, L- lemur aardvark sprouts out a bunch of uh actually lizard monkeys yeah yeah, yeah. i mean they are uh, asexual reproduction Literally. yeah almost yeah. like a spore right um and they and they go forward and it you know i can see where people freaked out i mean i went and saw gremlins matthew you probably saw this when it originally came out too in the theaters i saw it in the original issues yeah i saw it in a, in a didn't drive. bother me i think we took my young sister who would have been like uh six years younger than me so she would have been like eight we would have been time. 13 yeah. or 14. I would have been 14. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I loved it when I saw yeah, it. Yeah, my sister loved it. I mean, if you look at, even today, there are toys based on Gremlins that are clearly aimed at kids. Oh, gosh, gotcha. mm-hmm. yeah. And to an extent, you can say Furby is an extension of Gremlins. Well, uh, that's, a, that's a clear... You could, you could go that that's way down easy. there. But, you know, they still make toys that are based on the movie... That they are wanting to entice kids to. Mm-hmm. Although I do find it funny that my oldest, when he was probably my youngest sage, um, we saw a life-size uh, stripe uh-huh. in the <laughs> store, and he freaked the crap out and was like, get like, it away. Like post-change it's stripe. Right? Yes. Not yeah. Mogway stripe. No, 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 no. Lizard monkey Actually, stripe. Right, right, right. Gremlin stripe, stripe is pretty terrifying, too. Sure, sure. Now, my thing is, Rodrigo, when you saw this, was it in English? I think it may have been in subtitled. Okay. Because I actually find it fascinating. Uh, and I'm kind of a voiceover uh, nerd. And I, I, you know, I like read about voiceover guys. And I think Frank Welker is genius. Apparently, some of the stuff that Welker and Howie Mandel did 
was actually dubbed over. So for foreign markets, they, you know, would dub it into another language. Apparently, they would phonetically have they had lines that they would read phonetically in the local language. Well, that, that, mm-hmm. makes, so the little, that makes sense. Yeah, the little Mogwai cursing that you would hear might actually be in your native language if you saw it, you know, in one of the international markets. Well, I don't, I, I honestly don't remember. Like, it, it, it's been a long time since I first saw it. And every yeah. time I've seen it since then, it's, it's been in English. But mm-hmm. um, I can tell you that all the characters in uh, Winnie the Pooh sound like children instead of old men. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. That is um, Which I think is a good choice. I mean, if you're if you're if you're gonna take a, a different direction with Winnie the Pooh, you oh, want yeah, to yeah. Mm-hmm. oh, yeah. children's voices really choice. sound yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and Paul Winchell is, is awesome, but I don't know if he's fluent. Yeah. The um, we've talked about the rating system before, yeah. and we've talked about um, the documentary called "This Movie Not Yet Rated," mm-hmm. which, if you guys haven't seen it yeah. by now, what are you doing? Come see on. it. It is a excellent look at the MPAA. Yeah. And what is wrong with the MPAA? There's an interesting comment here, and I'm going to I'm going to quote from from this. Uh, Slash film managing editor David Chen wrote on the website: "It's time for more people to condemn the MPAA and their outrageous antics. We're heading towards an age when we don't need a mommy-like organization to dictate what our delicate sensibilities can and can't be exposed to. I deeply hope the MPAA's irre- irrelevance is imminent." Hmm. Reactions, Zach. It's it's in, it's kind of a double edged sword with the MPAA because um, it obviously can affect movie making and creative processes mm-hmm. across a wide range of people from independent filmmakers who have less pull over what they're going to get from their their rating or the right. big studios who can kind of influence MPAA. Um, but I mean, the whole system was set up so the federal government wouldn't come in and start censoring right. movies how they saw fit. I mean, so I feel if the MPAA goes away, it's going to be more of like the FCC or someone's going to some other department's going to step in and start censoring things and making reg- well, but what legislation. If, what if and you stuff. what if you came forward on your next movie? Sure, and just. Somewhere you had to say, my movie contains, and you don't have to give it a rating, but yeah, you yeah. just yourself says, there's nudity, sexual uh-huh. situations, foul language. Yeah. Right. Which, is no, no the, which is what the rating the system is for. Do, right? Yeah. And which is also what the ESRB does for video mm-hmm. games. Yeah, yeah. Don't you and think so, that, and that so, would be enough? And or? so you think... Don't you think your own self... Just say, this is what's in my movie, it's unrated, but here's right. what it is. Right. Mm. I don't. I, I think. Or you? What are you asking? I think it's a good idea. Would you rather see something like that, or would you rather have the MPAA in place that says, "Eh, this week, Zach, we had a bologna sandwich for lunch, right, so we're in right. a really foul well, mood." So well, your movie thing, are and, and, well, and uh, but that's the thing is that's two different questions because the issue there is the inconsistency of the mm-hmm. MPAA. Mm-hmm. If the MPAA was consistent then you might approach it a little bit. And if the MPAA was maybe a little bit more scientific about it, right. sure. they might be able to pull that off. And again, you can have a movie that has nudity and violence and still be less disturbing to a child right. than a movie that doesn't. Right. You sure. know, I mean, you can obviously, you can come up with situations like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so and- you need, 
if you're going to have ratings, you need that um, body that's going to take to, to look at the movie critically and say, you know, you know what, this would be scary for babies. Right. The problem with the MPA is that they're very inconsistent about it. Chicago it, Tribune yeah. film critic Michael Phillips wrote that the MPA ratings board has become foolish and irrelevant and its members do not have my interests at heart or yours. They're too easy on violence, yet bizarrely reactionary when it comes to nudity and language, which is a whole yeah, different yeah, topic yeah. not really related sure. to um, Gremlins. Sure, no. But it's, um, you're right. I think it's the inconsistency. And it's, the in, the it's the inconsistency and how far the MPAA rating system has been ingrained in more than just the making the movie, but marketing the movie and what theaters are going to run right. your movie because you're not going to see an NC-17 trailer run on TV, period. You're not going to see many movie theaters run an NC-17 rated movie or an unrated movie at all. Mm-hmm. So to get a wide release... You're not even going to see your mo- local movie theater bringing in the movies you want to see anyway. Well, no, they got John John. That made me happy. But anyways, so I mean that that's the problem is that the system that has become inconsistent and favors uh, big blockbuster movies from the big studios has taken control of not just content of movies, but the entire distribution and marketing of movies also. And I think there's, there is an argument to be made for the need for basically a boilerplate system to explain what it is you're looking at. Because as easy as it is to say, we're all grown ups and we're responsible for ourselves and our children. There is, I think, not necessarily a necessity, but at, at the very least, there's an expectation from some people that someone needs to be in charge of saying this is okay and this is not. Right. And Whether- so and so what we have in 2010 was the voluntary media rating system. It was um, the MPAA system is not mandatory for films produced outside of the studio system. So, Zach, you go and you produce your film. Sure. You don't have to send it to the MPAA for a rating. You could no. use this voluntary media rating system. Um, the voluntary media rating system is self-rating for film, music, new media. The system has three standard labels, EV for everybody, age, less, or um, RA, or um, WA, I'm sorry, WA under a certain age, meaning adult supervision under a certain age, and RC under a certain age, meaning restricted content under a certain age. So um, if you had something that had like a WA-13, it would indicate that this is uh, not suitable for kids under the age of 13. Mm -hmm. In addition, you're asked to include disclosure notes explaining the reasons for the rating, such as supernatural horror, brief nudity, foul language, etc. Supernatural nudity. Supernatural nudity. (laughs) Um, If you go over to IMDb now, Mm -hmm. if you go under the ratings systems section... They now have that broken out saying, here's why this movie was rated this way. Yeah. And they break into all these categories like mm-hmm, supernatural mm-hmm. horror, blah, 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 blah. So here's another thing that you can you can do as you as the producer. You can say, you know what? My movie Red State, probably not for kids under 12. Sure. Because it has people getting shot in the head. It's got um, religious uh, issues that m- may be a conflict with people's belief systems. Sure. It is... Um, um, yeah, just basically people getting language. their head shot off and language. language yeah. You wouldn't have to go to the MPAA that says, oh man, this is an X-rated film or an NC-17 I, film. I think a system needs to be created that is someone like that, but kind of eliminates the age thing because the age thing is so uh, 
personalized. Like what a th- one 13 year old can handle, another 13 year old can't handle. So I think if we just get to a point where we just say, this is what the movie, there's nudity, there's violence, there's blood and gore, and there's language. If wow. that, if like, if you just list that as like, like that's a, that, that's a bar. Like, you know, there's going to be nudity in your movie. You know, there's going to be blood and gore. Like, yeah, just like just, you said, if you just put just that on there, that, yeah, the thing, if you just use that, though, but don't eliminate any of that age requirement. The thing is, though, how many of those categories are you going to have? Part of the exactly. reason for those ratings is that people aren't willing to sit down and read anything. They just right. want to no, see sure. that little sticker sure. that tells you what it is. Here's the upshot of the PG-13 system. On the one hand, people thought, oh, this is going to kill these movies. Mm-hmm. It actually made PG-13 more attractive right. because people said, oh, this is not Disney stuff. This is not Herbie the Love Bug. Right. This is going to have this some is gore some and violence this and whatever. This is Herbie the Love Bug. Exactly. <laughs> so people were more interested in going seeing the PG-13 movie. Mm-hmm. So if you did sit down and said, I don't know, maybe what you have is uh, nudity, violence, strong language. But then you also, I mean, I, I, I agree with Rodrigo on this one. That opens a lot of doors. When you say to me, this may contain nudity, you can go on network television and you can see Peter Griffin running around butt naked. Now, they don't, you know, lovingly render his genitalia, but it is a naked fat man on television. And because of the way they draw it, you get away with it. I wouldn't necessarily consider that to be appropriate well, I don't think for... The- you know, a child or for, you know, in, in every situation. But I see, think you just that, said this may contain nudity. No, you as the director, if you're doing it, says there's nudity in this yeah. picture. You don't say this may contain nudity under this broad venue that, of what that a PG-13 is. A, that is. is a good point. I mean, it does, that does allow you to then be more specific. Hmm. Um, but, I, I think it, in the end, I think the issue with this, with the rating system is, is twofold. One, Zach already brought up, which is that people are different. Mm-hmm. 13 years old is an entirely arbitrary number that right. they picked as like, eh, not a baby, but also not a sure. full-grown person. Right. And a driver's um, license age, though. 13? Yeah, in some states. Yeah. Not anymore. Mm, well, back in 1984, if you yeah, could, well, yeah, sure. 13 driving around. Sure. But um, I, again, but, but that age itself, pretty much arbitrary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on the one hand, you have an, your arbitrary cutoff for the audience. On the other hand, you have them looking at basically pieces of art. And I don't mean, you know, to, to, I don't mean it as a value judgment. You can think whatever you want of gremlins or gone with the wind or whatever. This is art. It is very subjective. Right, right, right. So you have, you have people looking at this very subjective thing. And trying to codify it for an audience that is entire for for an audience rubric that is entirely arbitrary, which means it literally means nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a made up system that applies to a made up person. Mm-hmm. But it's so. a system, and the thing that you're getting into is, I think, the major issue is one of complexity. If you say to me PG thirteen. I eventually, from context, get an idea of what I expect to see out of a PG-13 movie. If you say to me, violence, nudity, and adult dialogue, that describes heavy metal, which I wouldn't necessarily take a nine-year-old to, but in a lot of ways, it also describes, you know, adventure time. 
you have to have um, you have to have an expectation. Does it of what? Probably yeah, not. Probably not does. the strong language. Well, depends on your Nudity definition too? of strong language. I'm sure you see some butts in Adventure Time. <laughs> butts, butt nudity. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, are you going to say that butt nudity is a separate subheader of nudity? Depends on how you're, what you no, as the no, director again, are putting again, in for you. Get your... a, you get into that. Is it's how, like, yeah, it's so, like how many ratings are we going to have? The MPAA has created a rating system that if we go back and listen to our wizened man at the end of the movie, I've given you these things and you ruined it. You can't mess with these things. You don't understand these things. Maybe going back to what you say, we've created rules that don't apply really to anybody, but we're trying to make sure that everybody works within these rules and it's all effed up in the end. The gremlins are tearing up the, the movie theater and, and, uh, Marty McFly's hoverboard is now forever gone. I mean, that's a good point. You can say that the rules apply to Billy or that the rules were meant for Billy, but then somebody else gets a hold of them and everything gets screwed up. But if you, I mean, I think I see Steven's point. But I don't necessarily think that putting it entirely in the hands of the filmmaker works either because the filmmakers are specifically making their films. If you say to me, there's violence in my movie, does that mean artsy Stanley Kubrick violence? Does that mean momentary, horrifying, hey, uh, Stanley Night Kubrick, of the Living Dead Stanley violence? Kubrick, uh, uh, Clockwork Orange violence and, thro- and blowing up a gremlin in a microwave violence is violence. Mm-hmm. Are they the same thing? They are both terrifying and, and disgusting at the same time. If somebody breaks a pitcher of beer over Bugs Bunny's head, is there violence in that cartoon? It's called cartoon violence. But that's the thing. Now we have another subheader of violence. So you at tell this me point, what's in your film. I mean, I'm not saying you only have three items. I'm saying tell me what well, is in the yes, film. And that's what that's Matthew's what, saying, is that eventually right now, you're going to get five. into... Yeah, you're going to get into this movie contains... Strong-ish language. Yeah. <laughs> nudity, subheading, to... but nudity. Exactly. Cartoon violence, actual violence. Well, when we look at nudity... Oh, see, but have you seen how many but headings they already is... have for writing? They already give the R rating, and then it's like sensu- sensuality, nudity, right. Uh, uh, innuendo. Tang- tangly sensations yeah. in your yes. pants. It's like they already do it. Fondling. <laughs> This is yeah, the so thing. just reading the ratings kind of gets you going. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell me more, MPAA. <laughs> but that's also that's that also the part MPAA of the right? Yes, but they all say may contain. R stands for it may contain yeah. violence and nudity. I've seen a lot of R-rated movies that contain no nudity. And if I see an R-rated movie going, this is gonna contain uh, some boobies. And I get there and I'm like, Wait a minute! This movie lied. To hey, me. wait a minute! So, all I see, all not I a see single booby, not Hang one booby in this movie. Saw, <laughs> all I saw was still Kevin. in the middle of a sentence over here. Hang on. Okay, so we have five categories currently, and they don't work. And the presumption is that they don't work because the five categories have too many subheaders and are too broad no. to be applied. No, that that's what arbit- we said in the no, show. No, we said that they no. are arbitrarily applied. Yeah. Okay. So again, that's a different problem. Applied. So even though no, no, let's 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 follow that rule. Arbitrarily applied by a central body. So if we're going to have hundreds and hundreds of people making movies in Hollywood and saying this is what's in my movie, how is that going to be any less arbitrary? Does your does your movie contain well, I mean, unity? Yes or it's, no? It's a fact. They it's do like- that now. 
but no, the directors have no influence on what they get to, what they're labeled as in their movie. It's all MPA slapping it on there. We just said the MPAA lists all of that subheader, that violence, no, that suggestive language. That, then why did we just say it? I said the Internet Movie Database, IMDb, is going in yeah. now and saying here is why this movie could have received this rating. It's not from the MPAA. So I don't necessarily see how making this decentralized and more complicated in terms of subheadings is going to make anything more uh, comprehensible to the average person or going to be any fairer to those people who are making or not making the movies. Well, I mean, I think it's totally fair to the filmmaker. Rodrigo goes out and does a movie with, mm-hmm. uh, uh, his favorite, uh, uh actress in it. Mm-hmm. Um, what's her name? Sama Hayek. Uh, sure. Sasha, sure. Sasha, right? Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. And my favorite actress, actress you're Sasha, Sasha Baron Cohen. Cohen. And so you've got <laughs> Sasha doing full frontal nudity in this, right? right. right? And if Rodrigo doesn't say this movie has nudity in it, and suddenly people go to this movie and say, oh, my God, there's tons of nudity in here. Rodrigo lied to me. Now Rodrigo's reputation is tarnished, mm. right? So, sure. yeah, he can, he can opt not to put nudity on there, but he's going to get a lot of flack from Hang on. people that's, saying, that's, well, he didn't tell us that there was nudity in here. We sure would have liked to have known that we saw all. a pickle shot here. That is not what I'm pickle saying. Shot. That's what, a what I'm saying is, uh, that's funny. <laughs> Go back. Take a moment. All right. So we are, we, we have said that the MPAA is an archaic system. We've said that it's not necessarily a fair or appropriate system. If we are going to posit the existence of something to replace that system, how does what we are positing, how does the filmmaker says X, Y, and Z is in it's, my It's view? already there. It's an actual system that's in place. And how do I, as the head of Parafrasum Pictures, how do I market that to people? Here's my movie. It's got a great story. It stars Tom Cruise. He blows things up. There's nudity in there. Okay. So I'm trying to make my show, my movie, as appealing as possible to as many people as possible. While dealing with, you know, a filmmaker who wants to make his specific vision. Now, right now, there is pressure on people to knock this movie down to PG-13. You get more you get more theaters, you get more people in when you knock it down to PG-13. How is having additional subcategories and having you know the additional options of what that rating may or may not be going to make that better? Well, they're not they're not arguing for additional subcategories. No. They're saying only have the subcategories. Which would be more than the five that they have now. Right. Well, okay. no, a rating system is not a category, right? This film is rated R. That's not a category. That's a rating. The subcategories on that are this movie may contain uh, violence, sexual nudity, sex, foul language, blah, 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 whatever else that they have listed on there. And they can be long at those. And if you Huge go in and look, what's that? I mean, I mean, a movie, if it's going to get an R rating, that little box next to it where it explains everything yes. is going to vary greatly. It's like one movie is going to be R. It also is going to say is violence. One movie mm-hmm. is going to say R and it's going to be 15 things. They all just make it really small. Yeah, and it's in that there. is what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's, it's, it's the same again. thing now, but the director would do it mm-hmm. and you just eliminate the age thing. You're not letting a board dictate what people, what they allow and, and, and you're letting a board you, say what's in your movie. You, you get to say what's in your well, movie. Here's the thing, though. You also have to remember, right, too, that so, the studio isn't isn't going to the board and saying, hey, board, 
give us a PG-13 movie. So this this assumes that um that for example, Steven will look at a movie and say, "Oh, in with this rating, it has um boobies and it has butts and it has violence and it has more violence. I will not take my child to this." Right. right? Sure. That does not for example, protect theaters, which to a certain degree the MPA rating does, in which they can actually deny access to movies to kids, mm-hmm. unless each theater develops their own criteria. But then each theater the, is also in its own way vi- like liable for exactly. that sort of thing. Especially when this rating system was created, the, mm-hmm. the most recent rating system was created, it was violated all the time. Right. I went and saw Life Force, which is an R-rated movie right. for violence, yep. full frontal nudity. But- and horror, right? right? And so I didn't have to go in with a parent. I went in with my 17-year-old cousin, and he's like, yeah, he's with me. And the theater owner was like, that's fine. Has to be accompanied by an adult. You're an adult. He's accompanying you. Okay. And theater owners for a long time. It's only been in the last, I want to say six or seven years that theater owners have been more strict. And why do you think that is? Well, because of parent groups. is why. because of getting sued. Well, parent groups. Not that the, the studio is going to sue them for no, allowing no, no. Well, a minor uh, in. Leave the studio. I right, don't know. Exactly. The studio doesn't care. The studio wants to right, wants exactly. babies to go see their right, movies because exactly. they're more butts and seats. Exactly. But what I'm saying is then the theaters are liable. Could be, sure. Be, that is why theaters are now stepping in and saying, no, you can't go in and see this R-rated movie, Tiny Child, because they're the ones getting in trouble for it. And the MPA does provide that rating, does allow them mm-hmm. to say that. If you just have a list of categories, it each theater has out. to each. It gives them an out from lawsuit, right? PG, I, I, as long as PG as long 13. as it gives them an out from a lawsuit, as long as they enforce it, mm-hmm. right? But a PG thirteen rating rating does not mean that someone age of the thir- uh, under the age of thirteen can't go see that movie, right? It says parents but, are strongly advised against bring, uh, taking their child or allowing their child to see it, right? But you're here, Billy. Once again, we're here, not Billy. Arguing, I'm dropping you off at the movie theater. Yeah, go see a movie. Okay, PG-13. Is that okay for me to get into? Sure. Okay, there you go. The The question that I have and the question that I keep, you know, trying to, to, to figure out is how, when we look at the system that is currently in place, I agree that it is flawed. I am trying to figure out why no system is somehow going to be superior. Why having that, if your filmmaker says, yes, this is all in my movie. Or whatever is not in my movie. As someone who sells media to children, we have angry parents walk into the store. How can you sell this to my kid? Now, the poster clearly says this movie has nudity, There are on the cover of every comic a little rating system now that tells you what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. And I think that when it, what, it, what it really comes down to is I can definitely see making the artistic argument that we would be better off without the NCAA. But I think that without any system, we are going to see people intentionally trying to abuse it. I think we are going to see creators who intentionally go in and try and put as much as they can get away with in and say, well, my movie says it has nudity in it. Well, fine. That doesn't mean that I'm going to want to watch House of a Thousand Corpses. It horrifies me. And I think that while I, I, I definitely appreciate what you're saying, I don't think that no system is better than a system that is flawed. I don't think we're saying that no system. I think we're saying put a label saying, on it. 
no centralized body and the creator decides what he's going to say is in this movie. He tells you this is in the movie. Uh, actually, I mean, that, that, that brings up a good point of, well, let's not have a centralized body. Each, each movie maker just has to write on there what is in their movie, right? Mm-hmm. Who decides what the categories are then? You all, exactly. Because the moment you're like, okay, well, my movie has this, 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 and this, and then somebody else doesn't do that, the public specifically is going to try and turn that into a pattern of some sort. And yes, if you go and you see, like, if I make a movie and I don't put on there that there's nudity, and then we're working under this creator-owned system, mm-hmm. and then I put it on, there's nudity, and I get flack for it, it's actually not just me going to get flack for it. Any movie from there on out. Why didn't you put a label on there that said it had nudity in it? Because I'm evil. And I okay. want people to then see Then I'm my not going to go see any Lopez movies from now on. Right. You're Lopez not gonna go... is, is, is a bad name. But I'm not going to follow people... Lopez films. So what's, right. what's the studio going to do? You know, a lot of people are giving this Lopez guy a lot of flack. So let's, uh, let's not make his next movie. He, he lied on this. Fantastic. I, uh, you know, Lopez is thrown out on the street never to make a movie again. The moment another movie... Sad Hulk music. Yes. The moment another movie similar to it comes out, like consumers will have lost a little bit of their faith in that system because they were already, you know, tricked or whatever. They're not going to hold a filmmaker responsible. So eventually, eventually, eventually that system itself is going to just morph back into the MPAA. What I'm saying is that system's already there. Oh, sure. It's been in there since 2010. It's been here for three years. And if you go and look at films like Kevin Smith's Red State, which is not released through with an MPAA rating, mm-hmm. uh, or you go and look at other films that are not released through an MPAA rating system, they tell you this movie contains blah, 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 blah. Right. I mean, I just, maybe it's my uh, belief that people aren't as incredibly horrible as they are. But oh, no, I f- they are. I mean, probably are, but it's like, I can't imagine why anyone who makes a movie would be like, oh, I'm going to put so much in there. I'm not going to tell anyone that everyone in this movie is getting their head chopped off. There's like, well, to me, there's no reason to not, to not just be, this is my art that I made. Let me tell you I what can, I put in there. I can tell you the exact reason. The exact reason is because filmmakers are artists and they might think to themselves, if I tell people that there's violence in it, they'll know that the third act twist is coming. If I tell people that there's nudity in this, then they won't be surprised at the beautifully artistic sex scene that I'm going to put into this. Or they might go in with an expectation that tarnishes my movie. Yeah. And or yeah, there's the risk of repercussion. Mm. But also, think about the huge egos that you're handling here. They're like, whatever, I can handle it. I'm Steven yeah. Spielberg. There are people, I mean, if, if you look at like Bertolt Brecht to go all artsy-fartsy, his entire oeuvre is designed to alienate the audience, and that is what he wants to do. So all it would take is one Andy Kaufman who wants to go in and deconstruct everything and throw in a movie with the sex and the violence and the glavin and the butt naked and put this you know, on the film and not tell anybody for the whole thing to devolve again. I think, you know... Again, I think I think in, I think think in the end, I think in the end, giving giving it to directors and being like, you tell us what's in there is a different way of doing it. So there's an interesting. I, I mean, I'm a big fan of Adam Carolla. Uh-huh. Right? He has a movie called The Hammer, which I think is a fantastic romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Received an R rating, and they went again and again and again 
to the MPAA to figure out why are you giving us this R rating? Right. Right. And here's a movie over here that has less violence, or I'm sorry, that has more violence than our film. This is a boxing movie. Right. This has more violence. This is people getting their eyes cut out and it's getting a PG-13 and mine's getting an R. That doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that there's probably, I don't even know if there's one more F-bomb than this other movie had. And there is a scene where the main character has his gloves. He's all gloved up and taped up before he has to go out into the fight. And because this is a romantic comedy, he's having his, um, whatever the assistant guys are called, ring, ring guys. Mm -hmm. uh, he's like, man, you're going to have to hold it. Right. Because he has to go to the bathroom really right, bad. Right, right. Smash t cut to a guy coming into the bathroom, medium shot, and he hears, no, no, you got to hold it this way. Hold it this way. Cut to a reverse shot of two guys from behind, one wearing a robe, one guy down on his knees with his hands. Right, right. Partially, you know, covered behind the robe. You can't see anything. And that gets in an R rating. Yet, eyeballs gouging out PG-13. Right. No nudity in the movie. Sports violence. Partially, partially that is that different discussion of sex versus violence. Right. Um, right. But, but also, but also you know, a I mean, implication of an adult situation. Again, you're you're saying, well, in this case, Adam Carolla's movie would have had to would it have had to have a tag that says sexual humor? Yeah, it probably would have had to say sexual humor. Yeah, and it's really, I mean. You know, it's a brother helping another brother out. Right. That is, <laughs> think about that. <laughs> think about exactly that. You can massage it, probably a bad choice of words, <laughs> into not being sexual humor, into saying like, what are you talking about? This is a comedy. Or like, what are you talking about? This isn't actually, get your minds out of the gutter, guys. This isn't right. actually sexual humor. Right, right. Directors would do that. They would totally do that. Like what you're talking about is taking it out of this entirely arbitrary. But body, even if you, which I even think if you they just should. said, even if you just said, this movie has sports violence in it, right. and it's a boxing movie. Right. You remember how this show was about gremlins? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's well, and this is. I mean, that's the reason why people are like, why the hell are you guys talking about gremlins? Gremlins, gremlins is the movie that broke the camel's back yep. and had people saying, we need to reevaluate this system because we've got an X rating over here that we've uh, given to Midnight Cowboy and it's won an Oscar. And that doesn't seem right because there's some guy stumping at a girl over there that is, well, that's three X's. How are these two the same? So they have to go back in and reevaluate right. the system. The problem is it's been 30 years almost since we've, that's, that's we, we've reevaluated the system. And again, yeah. it's worth looking at just because of the inconsistency of the body. Even if they don't do away with the MPAA, there needs to be some sort of overhaul. Right. Right. But I would definitely say that you need to make sure that whomever is making these decisions is not making the films. It has to be external. And, you know, by that definition, I understand that there's always going to be bias and there's always going to be inconsistency. I wouldn't even, but you know what, I, I wouldn't trust, even mind if it was a third body going down the list and saying there's nudity in this film, there's strong language in this film, there's bloody violence in this film. I wouldn't mind if they were going down the checklist and people, coming up with that, people that, are gonna, that checklist. People are going to hate me for saying this, but um, in a lot of other things where some sort of rating like that is vital, there are government agencies that mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. and. A lot of the time, those government agencies just um, 
put forth a voluntary program mm-hmm. that then the producers can buy into. Right, and so that's, you what, still, that's how the MPAA you still, came about. Yeah, you I mean, could still have... Ace Code, production code, all Right, you could still have an unrated movie if you choose not to do it, right. but then you risk... You alienating know, an audience. Yeah, alienating right. your audience. I, I don't care if it's a third-party, Matthew. I mean, if you go over to Major Spoilers, on every article, it says, this article is related to... Boom, 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 boom. We've got a tagging system... You can go in and say this article is related to a sneak peek. This article is related to movies. This article is related to Zach on film. This article is related to Steven Spielberg, Robert Zemeckis, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And that's the tagging system that we have in place. If we need to add a new tag, we can add a new tag on there. And yes, there are times that, oh, we forgot to put the tag that this is this is related to podcast. You know, interestingly, that's that's a good point. Eventually, when everybody's on a smartphone or has a chip in their head, you probably can write in exactly what sort of movies you like mm-hmm. exactly what sort of movies you found objectionable mm-hmm. and it'll like it can potentially generate a custom rating for you yeah. of like you are not going to like elysium on account of them trying to play matt damon off as a mexican there you go <laughs> um I, I wouldn't mind if you just you know like i said i wouldn't mind if you went down if it was a third party but mm-hmm. what i f- what i find objectionable about the current rating and i think zach you're this is the same thing you were saying is that it's very arbitrary because now that I've given you this checkmark system that we can print and publish and do whatever mm-hmm. we want with, now we're putting a stamp on it that right. puts a big scarlet letter on this movie. Uh, I mean, I think you're I think you're always going to have that because the big stamp is to a certain degree touted by the studios themselves. Like the MPAA, I, I think, used to basically just say, okay, studio, here's the thing. Here's, here's a rating for your movie. And the studio would be like... Everybody listen, we've just made a PG-13 movie, Ooh. Mm-hmm. right? So you're always going to have people gaming the system. You're always going to have people well, pushing there and are, pulling. But again, it goes back to the arbitrariness of the, the, the system. I could have had bad dinner last night, had an argument with my husband or wife, and now I'm watching this movie and it's like, well, these are the same themes that I just had last night. I'm angry about this. I'm giving this an R rating. Oh, here's something with... Uh, Here's something with a little deer that gets its head shot off. Well, I'm going to give this a nice happy rating. But are you ever going to get away from that kind of bias? I mean, really? When you when you look at anything that you have to do, anything that you have to categorize, anything that you have to stratify, anything that turns this into an episode of Top 5, because, hey, we're off topic anyway. When you go through that process, it is entirely in the eye of the beholder. I mean, the four of us are mostly... Of, of, of a similar sort of background in terms of our education and our interests and the things that we have studied. Well, not Zach. And we have spent 30, st- please. That's what we're doing. First of all, the fact that you and Zach agree with each other does not escape the fact that you are probably the guy who taught him most of this stuff. So he's obviously going to agree with you, but that's neither here nor there. No, if oh, you look at just the- don't go there. I know, I'm being a dick. But if you look at the four of us, we've been talking for 35 minutes pretty animatedly about that's, this. That's why I put it in the second half of the show. And that's something this is this is important. We are guys who agree on many things. No, we're not. We have similar interests and similar education and similar backgrounds to a degree when it comes to our, you know, specifically our consumption of pop culture and our love of major spoilers, majorspoilers.com. Go check it out right now. Become a recurring donor. But I think that the the fact that the four of us can have this kind of discussion, if you throw in, you know, anybody in the world, if you throw in my mother-in-law, if you throw in, you know, the, the Yentas that my mother used to hang out with, if you throw in Stephen's grandfather, all of these people are going to have a different expectation of 
whether or not Mrs. Peltzer shoving that gremlin in the microwave is violence or whether it's a reference to a Chuck Jones cartoon. My grandfathers I, are dead. How exactly. dare you throw that in? I, I, I think everybody, Matthew, just mentioned his dad. <laughs> that's, that's true. That is very, very true. Well, I'm sure some of the Yentas may still be alive. But, uh, you know, they're in their 70s now. Because I'm 42. I would say I would say go go and look yeah. at this uh, voluntary system that again is for independents if they want to follow mm-hmm. it. It makes a lot of sense, mm-hmm. I think, um, and it's very straightforward because the the director is saying, "Hey, this movie really is not." And I, I honestly think if you went up to a director of, I, I honestly believe if you went up to someone like Kevin Smith and said, "Kevin Smith, I'm considering taking my seven year old." To see Red State. You think that's a good idea? I think he'd say, oh, hell no. Right, right. And, mm-hmm. and where's the hotline to the, to, the, uh, to the child services? Yeah. He would probably say, you know what? Your child needs to be 13 to see this movie. And that's coming from him. That's not coming from, that's not coming from an arbitrary group that says, oh, this is an R-rated movie. No one under 17 needs to see it. So I think I'd like everybody, even the listeners, to go and kind of think about this. There's a comment section that people can comment on this. Share your thoughts. Keep the MPAA, flush it down the, the toilet. Mm-hmm. Come up with a better system. Suggest a better system, right? Yeah. All right, Zach. So what are you going to do with your next, uh, when, when you go over to YouTube and you're posting it, how are you going to post that so that people aren't offended by your, uh, your junk flapping around on the screen? <laughs> yeah, make sure. I will put a, uh, a, a screen holder of a nice puppy. <laughs> I'll, I'll work my YouTube channel up to a place where I can use custom thumbnails and just put a puppy and then just horrify the hell out of them. Yeah, I'm going to have to block that content as offensive. <laughs> well, you can, can't you? YouTube does it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, custom ratings will, will eventually be a thing. Maybe that's what it has to be. I'm okay with that. And then people will complain about it because the algorithm will sometimes like... Because yes. it ended up being Alien, Netflix's yes. recommend algorithm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we see that you watched W. Why not watch the Hebrew Hammer? <laughs> Which, by the way, is an awesome, awesome film. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Well, we've probably talked long enough this week on Zach on film. I have no idea. <laughs> How do you feel about these. Gremlins? But it just feels like uh, what? Oh, what I learned about Gremlins really quick. Uh, make a movie around Christmas or about Christmas so that it can always play during Christmas and you just make bank off royalties and you just let that, you just make one movie and just let it ride. I think that that is kind of funny that you, that people consider Gremlins now a Christmas movie. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's stupid. Anyways, whatever. Make a Christmas movie, make a bunch of money, be happy. Next week, no, don't next week me, me, uh, go to Majorspoilers.com and go to the Zek on Film Gremlins podcasting posting page and give all your thoughts about MPAA or Gremlins and all that fun jazz. And while you're there, make sure to click on the Amazon.com link where you can go to Amazon and buy movies, whichever rating you want. You can buy anything you want. Just check I don't the rating, think they sell whatever. X-rated movies through um, Amazon. No, not X, but NC-17. Yeah, they, they, do, do. They, do, they do sell some soft core stuff. There you go. I know you can buy a circumcision trainer. I wouldn't know anything about softcore stuff through Amazon. I wouldn't know anything about softcore stuff. (laughs) I wouldn't either. 
Sometime, go one time I ate, a, go I ate an apple with a soft floor and it made me sad. <laughs> uh, that's it for this week. Next week, start watching it now. Birth of a Nation. Next week, comes back on Facebook.